Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. We have got an absolutely Friday loaded show, typical Friday loaded show. Once again, for you guys, week eight predictions, as always. That's what we cap every week's shows, uh, every week of Carving Up Live off with, uh, we, where we, we end it with, is week eight uh, predictions. Uh, upset of the week, if I were a bet man, and Bryson's bleak bet all coming up later on the show. Got some NBA talk. Damian Lillard bowling out in his debut with the Milwaukee Bucks. I'll discuss that. And really, the, 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 the takeaway I had from it in terms of how good that game was for Milwaukee in terms of their morale, their confidence moving forward, I'll discuss that. Also, the Vol View in a half hour. Going to discuss my Vol's big, big matchup with the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky's coming off of a bye week uh, tomorrow night in Lexington, uh, Kentucky. Beautiful, beautiful town. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been to Lexington. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, my Vols are going there to play at, was it Kroger Field, whatever. I don't know. Uh, but the Vol View later in the show, about a half hour from now. Also getting into LeBron and the Lakers and a potential, I want to emphasize that, a potential fatal flaw that could plague them if, if it is not addressed. It is after all October. They've still got plenty of time. they got 80 games to address this issue. I'll discuss that as well. And again, a World Series, by the way, start tonight. It's going to give my prediction between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. So again, loaded show tonight for Carving Up Live. But first, you know, I got to start with the football game last night. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Buffalo Bills. I took Buffalo to cover because I said, listen, they're due for that sort of big uh, fool's gold game that they give us every once in a while where they play a, a, a mid-tier to bad team. I do not think Tampa Bay is a bad team. I thought they were coming into the season. Uh, they're certainly not uh, unwatchable. Let's put it that way. Uh, more on Tampa and, uh, you know, a little later in the segment. But Buffalo won the game 24-18 to in what was a little bit of a, a little bit of an oddball game. Josh Allen, I thought, played very, very well, uh, considering especially the defense he's playing. 31-40, two touchdowns passing, one touchdown rushing, QBR of 86, the pass rating of 106. By the way, uh, he was really the Bills, was part of the Bills' primary running game with 41 yards rushing. Uh, if not for him, they do not rush for over 100 yards in the game as they did. But again, a win is a win in the NFL. They took care of business. They beat Tampa Bay. But I think it's time for a little bit of a come-to-Jesus moment on Buffalo and who they are and what they are this season. Uh, I said coming into the season, I thought they were a 9-8 football team. I did not think they were near as talented as a lot of folks were giving them credit for. I didn't think that the defense was going to have, be as strong as, as a lot of folks did. And for the record, the defense actually had a lot of potential to be great this year, but they lost their number one linebacker. They're probably the best player in the defense, in all honesty, Matt Milano, for the season. The top corner, Tredavious White, he's gone for the season. And I thought Von Miller would make a big, big impact in this game. He was virtually non-existent for, for most of the night. So this Buffalo defense, a in large part due to injuries, is simply not going to be as good as advertised. This Buffalo offense. Now, the O-line was fine, good enough. We don't really have high expectations for the O-line. Stephon Diggs, again, in, in this game, obviously, he's the Bills' number one receiver. Gabe Davis made plays as well. Uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, nine catches for 70. But again, it was uh, Shakir who who led the Bills in receiving. So uh, they're fine at wide receiver. They leave some things to be desired. And then the running game is, is sort of just comes and goes. It's actually been better this year than it's been in years past with Josh Allen, but it's still kind of mid-tier in the NFL. Josh Allen is obviously a spectacular talent, uh, still an elite quarterback. For all the criticism that I've given Josh Allen, I've never once said he's not elite, not a franchise quarterback. I've never said the Bills can't win a Super Bowl with him. I think all those takes, if, if anybody has them, uh, they should consider getting a new TV or, or trying to, to figure out what the game of football really is because none of those takes would, would be true. But I sort of alluded to this on Monday's show when they lost to New England. I said, listen, Josh Allen is, is who Josh Allen is from a, his highs are really high and his lows. Man, they're in the gutter. I mean, 
in the gutter. But that wasn't always the case when Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator of, of the Bills. Look back to 2020 when he finished. I think he was second for MVP behind Aaron Rodgers. You look at 2021 when he got off to a, he had a little rough stretch middle of the season, but got hot at the end of the season and had two magnificent playoff games against the Patriots and then that classic game against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Despite the loss, he was absolutely fantastic in that game. Brian Dable being there, the structure that they had in Buffalo sort of limited Josh Allen's mistakes. He wasn't turning the ball over as much. He wasn't uh, committing the reckless plays. If you don't have somebody to sort of reel him in a little bit, he's going to be a little bit, little bit of a problem. It's kind of like if you're driving a sports car, you want somebody smart behind the wheel. Somebody's not going to put the car in harm's way. You're not going to, you know, g- g- you know, get a call like, "Hey, I just wrecked, uh, I just wrecked the the Ferrari." Like, oh, of course, of, of course you did because you were you you were, you were you were reckless with it. Josh Allen's kind of that guy where he needs an offensive coordinator to sort of reel him in. Okay, slow it down, Josh. And Josh sort of alluded to it, saying like, "I just need to play my game, not thinking about it too much to a certain degree." And I suggest this on Monday. I'm even more sure of it today. I really like Sean McDermott a lot. I've defended him a lot in the past. It's time for a coaching change in Buffalo. It is. How bad is this team situationally? Because when you consider the fact that, again, they're up by, was what were they up by? Three last week against the New England Patriots. Uh, yeah, they're up three. It's 25 to 22 uh, with not much time left in the clock. A few, a few minutes left in the clock uh, uh, for Mac Jones. They just get the ball back under two minutes left. And this defense, albeit they're injured, but this is Mac Jones. This is the New England Patriots offense. It's that offensive line. It's those receivers. It's that quarterback who, let's be honest, have left a lot, uh, left a lot to be desired this season in, in totality. And they give up a long drive to win the game again in less than two minutes. Bad situationally. And then last, I guess, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had generated, they moved the ball down the field fine against Buffalo, I thought, but the drive stalled a lot. The offensive line kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, they couldn't run the ball to, to save their lives for, for the vast majority uh, of this game. Baker Mayfield, I, I'll defend Baker in this regard. He was kind of running for his life uh, for the entire game. And numerous plays. The, the, the last couple of drives, Buffalo offensively and defensively were abysmal situationally. So Tampa Bay's last touchdown drive, first of all, they burn seven and a half minutes off the clock, go 92 yards. And again, a lot of these plays are aided by penalties. You had a, uh, you know, a third down. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you had, you had a, a couple of fourth downs in which they were bailed out by a penalty. Uh, you had the situation where on fourth down and 10 for the Buffalo 24, when Baker completed that touchdown to Evans down the left sideline, it's like, again, you, you don't know that the ball's not going to Mike Evans. It's desperation situation. The ball's going to the best player in the field. Well, then Buffalo gets it back. So Tampa Bay goes for two. They get it. Buffalo gets the ball back. They've got a situation where Tampa Bay has all three of their timeouts, but Buffalo can kind of run the clock out, and um, they only get one first down. They punt it back to Tampa, who nearly wins the game on a Hail Mary. If Chris Godwin just turns his head around, if it's all over the internet, right? Chris Godwin doesn't know where the ball is. His awareness, uh, his Madden awareness was a one on that play. If he just turns around, he probably catches the ball, and Tampa Bay wins the game. So if you think about Buffalo, you know, listen, I know we don't do almost wins and almost losses. The 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 schedule, the record, you know, Bill Parcells said you are what your record says you are. I don't know if I totally believe that to a certain degree because I think there are solid teams that maybe the record doesn't quite reflect who they are um, and good teams where they're, they're kind of a little bit of fool's gold. Minnesota Vikings showed us that last year. But if you're the Buffalo Bills, you're sitting at five and three and you could very easily be three and five. If it's not for an officiating error at the end of the game against the Giants, a clock management error in the first half by Tyrod Taylor, you lose to the Giants at home, scoring 14 points for the record. This game against Tampa Bay, 
Forget necessarily just if just Chris Go- Chris Goblin turns his head around. Numerous plays before that, it's the penalties. It's again, I know I'm not saying Tampa Bay is the Arizona Cardinals or the Carolina Panthers. They're not that bad. Come on, this is a Baker Mayfield coach or Baker Mayfield quarterback team. This the the red zone execution wasn't always perfect uh, for Buffalo. They failed on the fourth down uh, and one uh, fourth down for the one yard line early in the first half. It's kind of time we come to terms with this is a limited roster and it's a limited coaching staff. Listen, we all know if we went down the list of problems with the Buffalo Bills, I mean Josh Allen would be at or near the bottom of the list. Again, I've been critical of Josh. But if, if we're going to start taking this roster apart, not going into rebuild, obviously. You don't go into rebuild with franchise quarterbacks. You just don't do it. But if you were to sort of take this roster apart, sort of reconstruct it in your own, Im- own image in terms of what wins today in the NFL, wouldn't the first guy to go be Sean McDermott? And by the way, Ken Dorsey right after him. This is why I said on Monday, there's this guy in Detroit. His name's Ben Johnson, one of the brilliant minds in the NFL offensively. He's going to be available. He's going to get a lot of offers to be a head coach, and don't you think it'd be a lot more a lot more attractive to coach Josh Allen than, I don't know, let's think about a team that needs a coach, um, Justin Fields. Now, the Bears may get a star quarterback. We'll see, but given the organizational structure in Chicago, the organizational structure in places like Arizona, Buffalo's a well-run franchise. They have been for a while now. Once they got the quarterback right with Josh Allen, that's why they've had as much success as they've had and been in contention for as long as they have. It's time to sort of, sort of, again, you can't do it this season. You can't hire Ben Johnson away from the Lions midseason. You can't do that. The Bills are what they are. Again, I'm still not totally sold on the fact that they may or may not make the playoffs because if you look at their schedule, Buffalo, they're, they're in, they got Cincinnati next week. The Jets defense, which gave them problems in week one, they got them a couple weeks after that. They got to go to Philly, to Kansas City. They have Dallas on their schedule. They got Miami on their schedule. I mean, they've got some rough games down the stretch. My guess is... Again, they'll obviously be in the playoff mix in week 16, 17, 18. I'll still stay on my prediction. They missed the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked if they get out. Obviously, they're five and three. They are absolutely not one of the 10 best teams in the NFL. Josh Allen's having a little bit of a down season. Played very well last night, but again, it's the roller coaster. It's up and down. You never know which guy you're going to get from a game-to-game basis. But it's at this, at this point, there's a roster problem, and more so, there's a coaching problem. I mean, we see Mike Vrabel year in and year out. I know this is a bad year for Tennessee. It's a fire sale for them. They're trading everybody to get the opportunity to trade. But in years past, even last year, Tennessee was not a – Tennessee, their roster, given their injuries, they were a bad football team in 2022. Again, the record reflects it to a certain degree, 7-10. and But they were in the division hunt with the Jacksonville Jaguars, a solid roster, a great quarterback, a great coach. Why? Because they have a great coach. The Tennessee Titans do. There's levels to this, and I like Sean McDermott. Hope he gets another opportunity elsewhere. I don't think he's going to be the guy that gets Buffalo over the top. This gives very much uh, what's what, what's what's a good uh, NBA analogy for this. Um, this gives a little bit of the Mark Jackson vibes. Where love Mark Jackson, I still think it's a crime he's not an NBA coach right now. But Steve Kerr was the guy to get this team the next step with the new offense that he implemented in Golden State. It wasn't just ISO ISO Steph save us every possession. It was get the ball moving, cut, uh, five out, small ball. That's kind of what the Buffalo Bills need right now. They have the special generational talent at quarterback. They just need to build the right pieces around them. Josh was great last night. And again, Tampa Bay is, Tampa Bay obviously themselves needs to kind of come to terms with who they are. They're a good roster. Um, 
I mean, they, they, they're, 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 they're fine. Um, I, I really like the defensive piece they have. Mike Evans is still a monster. Chris Godwin, again, if he'd turned his head on the Hail Mary, that would have, that helped. Uh, Tampa Bay's O-line hasn't been quite as bad as I thought it'd be, although it did struggle to a great degree last night. Uh, but it's time for them to draft a quarterback. Whether or not Baker will be there as maybe the quarterback's uh, backup. Again, Baker has not been bad this season. I actually thought fought pretty well. Again, a pass rating of ninety one. He wasn't he wasn't terrible. Um, but again, there are, there are certain limitations to Baker that you know you're you're just gonna need to take a guy in this draft. And good chance you probably won't draft. You definitely won't draft high enough to get Caleb uh, or Drake May. But could somebody like Michael Penix Jr. Could somebody like um, like Riley Leonard at Duke? Could somebody like that fall to you? Maybe. I think that'd be a good pick for Tampa. I don't know. Let's see. I got a comment from my man, John Rivera from the Fan Perspective Podcast. He says they're tight end. Talking about Buffalo's Dalton Kincaid is the next best tight end. I 100% agree with you, John. Uh, when they took him in the draft out of Utah, I'm like, okay, this like this kid is going to be absolutely special. Uh, he got the opportunity last night. Dawson Knox was out with injury. Uh, Kincaid was good. Let's check his stat line real quick. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, where is he? Yeah, he had a touchdown, five catches for 65. Expect him, great point, John, John. Uh, expect him to to get more opportunities down the stretch as, as time goes on and potentially take that number one spot away from Dawson Knox, who's a solid tight end. He's, he's, he's a good tight end, good in the red zone. But uh, I think Dalton Kincaid certainly, I mean, there's a reason they took him with their first draft choice back in back in April. But you know, he's got the potential, like you said, John, John, to be like the next kind of great player at his position in the league. Uh, I think you're also going to have guys like Brock Bowers out of Georgia, who is a free i mean guys they're running i don't know maybe everybody out there doesn't watch a ton of sec football i obviously do because i'm a balls fan so i do watch a lot of georgia georgia has literally run jet sweeps with their tight end with their t kansas city and doing what they doing that doing that with um that i know of at least with with kelsey the niners aren't doing that with with kittle uh ravens aren't doing that with mark andrews I mean, they're running jet sweeps with Brock Bowers, and he's taking it 75 yards to the crib. I mean, he's he's going to be a superstar. He's out right now. Um, I think Georgia will still be fine without him, but still, you know, he's he, he's good. Let's see. Phillip says, Kincaid is going to be really good, and guess who Dallas picked instead of him? I can answer that, Phillip. Mozzie Smith. Although, although... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Kincaid was was already off the board before Dallas's pick, but but they had an opportunity to draft Michael Mayer, the kid out of Notre Dame, who I I remember doing the draft show. Oh my gosh, this is bringing back great memories. I remember doing the draft show on the Grid Network. If you haven't watched it, I know this was six seven months ago, but please still check it out because it was a absolute blast with, with the guys. Dallas was on the clock, and they kept showing highlights of this kid, Michael Mayer. Uh, at a Notre Dame, and they were like, you know who he reminds me of? Jason Witten. It's like, da 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 da. There you go. There's your next. You know, I'm not saying Michael Mayer's gonna be a superstar. He's with the Raiders right now, poor guy. So he's not gonna get many opportunities. Certainly under that coach and that quarterback or whoever the quarterback is for Vegas. But uh, yeah, definitely should have taken him. Definitely should have taken him. And Phillips says a practice squad player in Mozzie Smith. And in all caps, I love Jerry Jones. Yeah, that was a whew. Jerry. Well, let me let me pull back on this. Will McClay, not Jared, Will McClay has been good with these, really good with these first-round picks for Dallas. I mean, look, I thought the Tyler Smith pick by the Cowboys was a disaster in 2022. Ended up being really good. Cowboys really needed him last year. Came on at the end of the year. So that ended up being a, a good pick that a lot of people, including myself, really questioned and criticized. Uh, thus far, I cannot remember the first time seeing Mozzie Smith uh, make any play of note in a positive 
former fashion for the Dallas Cowboys this season. So, uh, yeah, you're 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 right on the money with that one, Philip. But I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Kincaid was off the board. I know for a fact Mayer was uh, was was still on the board, and they they passed on him. So that was a uh, not a good move by Dallas. Not a good move by Dallas. Let's move to the NBA. Because this is, I was really interested to, to talk about this one. So, again, NBA's tipped off, so we're three days into the season. And, again, I, I think this, I don't know if I said this during my prediction show on Tuesday, the, 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 the day the NBA season started. Ever since the, because I still don't believe the Warriors dynasty is over, make no mistake about that. But when the Warriors were at their peak, I mean, just blowing the whole league out, winning 60 games, I mean, the one playoffs, they literally lost one playoff game the whole run. Even the second run, they swept Cleveland in the finals. And they were in the midst of that run. I think there were fewer contenders at that time than maybe ever in NBA history. There's more contenders now. Honest to God, folks, I think it's like five. Maybe you can convince me six. I, I'm, I like the Knicks more than a lot of people this year. Um, not They're not in the level of Boston. I mean, they just lost to Boston. They're not on the level of Boston or Milwaukee, who I'll get I'll get into to Dame and the Bucks later in the show. Uh, but I, I like where the Knicks are going. I think they have potential to be that team that nobody wants to face. Uh, and you could also talk me into Miami as well. So max, I mean max, seven contenders. Three contenders out west. Denver, Lakers, Golden State. And I want to talk about the Lakers for a second. I don't buy the Suns at all. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I haven't bought the Suns since the offseason. But uh, Lakers beat the Suns, though, last night. They did beat Phoenix 100-95, albeit there was no Bradley Beal for the Suns. Or, more importantly, in my estimation, Devin Booker, who I thought was the best player on the floor in that game against my Warriors on Tuesday. Uh, but 195, the Lakers beat the Suns last night at what used to be called the Staples Center. I still want to call it Staples so bad. Uh, but Anthony Davis... Hey, the coin flipped on, it landed on heads, so AD was great last night, 30 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, but this is, <laughs> I mean, you know, there are three things that I know for a fact I'm going to have to do. Three things in life, okay? Number one, I know, or not, not that I'm going to have to do, there's three things I know are a fact and are just part of life. Number one, the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning. That's a that's a good thought, you know? You know, it's just as bad. If you've had a bad day today, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, but the sun's going to come up uh, tomorrow, and it's a new day, new opportunity. That's a good thought. Number two, I'm going to die. Not as happy, uh, not as exciting, but it's a fact because we all do. Number three, we all got to pay our taxes or we're going to jail. That's just a fact of life. And a fourth fact of life involves the NBA, and I, in my estimation, the greatest player that's ever played in this league, LeBron James. We are, <laughs> we are 21 seasons in, and a LeBron James-led team cannot survive when he's off the floor. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Unlike anything that I've ever seen in my life watching watching the NBA with a great player, which LeBron James still very clearly is. So, again, you're playing a Suns team, which, by the way, Kevin Durant was fantastic last night. Dropped 39. Katie was awesome. Uh, best player on the floor last night, uh, in, in, in my view. But the Lakers in this game, again, with Kevin Durant and a bunch of guys, 
You know, what Bill Parcells called uh, average NFL players. He called them Jags, just a guy. Bunch of Jags out there on the court for, for the Suns. Yusuf Nurkic is fine, but also that KD, Yusuf Nurkic, and a bunch of guys. Eric Gordon, Josh Okogie. I mean, not, not guys that you're exactly going to be fearful of when you play them uh, on any given night against the Phoenix, uh, when you're playing the Phoenix Suns. They go into the fourth quarter down by 12. Now, this is significant, not just because of the guys that Phoenix is missing, but because of the fact that coming into this game and even coming out of the Denver game, which I'm not going to put them up to put much in that loss. Denver was supposed to lose to, I'm sorry, the Lakers were supposed to lose to the Nuggets. Nuggets are the best team in the league right now, in my view. Uh, they're just on a different level than everybody else. I'm not going to hold like that against the Lakers too bad. Denver is ring night. Denver was supposed to win that game. But after that game, remember Darvin Ham said, we're going to have LeBron on the whole uh, 28 to 30 minutes restriction. Yeah, that lasted all of one game. Because this game, this was not a, listen, this was not a must win. You had to get this game if you're if, if you're the Los Angeles like You see that it's game two of 82. Because a long, long way to go the rest of the season. But you lose to Denver, okay, that you kind of chalk that one up as, okay, just, they were just better than us in that night, whatever. You don't want to lose to Phoenix, again, without its second and third best player, given the fact you're at home. And you kind of, you know you're a much, much better team now than you were at this point 365 days ago in late 2022. You want to get off to a better start, get a better seating, so you're not have to play every series in the road, which you did last year's, uh, during last year's playoffs. They felt it was so important, to me, rightfully so, that they said, hey, LeBron, hey, we're... um." In six, uh, so in seven quarters of play, we are a minus thirty-six with you on the bench. Hey, Bron, could you, could you come in and help us out, buddy? Oh, and help out he did. Three straight clutch shots at the end of the game. Three straight drives to the basket to essentially seal the deal for the Lakers. By the way, LeBron James, if I could pull up the stat now, LeBron James in his illustrious career has now hit an NBA record, 845 clutch shots, but I could have sworn that narrative was LeBron was, was not clutch. Uh, anyways, Lakers are minus 36 with him off the floor. Denver, that's one thing. A Suns team that lacks chemistry, doesn't play defense, and is missing its second and third best player, that's quite another. Now, does this mean I don't buy into Lakers as championship contenders? Of course I believe in them. Really, my biggest concern is Darvin Ham and whether or not he's able to make the adjustments, which he very clearly was not able to make in the Western Conference Finals. I, th I think the Lakers won against Memphis and against Golden State in spite of him. The roster is excellent. Again, I, I obviously LeBron, we know what, what he's capable of. Anthony Davis every other night is great. Austin Reeves is a, is a, is a great number three. Uh, you, you, again, you have size with, with, with obviously ADs there. You've got, you've got Christian Wood there. You've got Jackson Hayes there. You've got some shooters like, like Torian Prince. Like you, you've got some guys there that are capable of making shots, playing defense. The Lakers are a very well-constructed basketball team. Gabe Benson, I really love that addition for the Miami Heat. I'm not saying I'm two games a year, I'm selling my stock in the Lakers. But... We're back to square one. All those years in Cleveland when LeBron was as, at his peak apex, clearly best player in all of basketball, and even when they had Kyrie, Kevin Love, LeBron go to the bench, it's like, okay, just hang. Just, just don't, don't, don't give up. Don't give up too much of the lead. Just give me a chance to come in with, with a little bit of a cushion, and I could take us home. And even those last, that last year in Miami when D-Way was out of his prime, Chris Bosh was out of his prime. It was a very old roster in Miami, and LeBron was really the only guy in that team of note that was in his prime, and he kind of had to carry that group. That's understandable. This roster's too good for them to have to constantly, 
rely on LeBron to be Superman in the fourth quarter every single night. It's too good for that not to be the, for, 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 the, for that to be the case. And the fact of the matter is, and I said this after Tuesday, I said, man, I feel bad for LeBron James. Yes, he's worth a billion dollars. He's made all, the, all this money playing basketball off the court. Yeah, you don't feel sorry for billionaires. Whatever. I'm talking about from a basketball standpoint because LeBron is very aware of the fact that this is year 21. I, I don't have a whole lot longer. Two, three years max? Now, the longevity LeBron has, has put together is, is, is unheard of in sports, literally outside of Brady. Outside of Brady, we've never seen this. But he's got to be thinking, you've got to be kidding. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 39 years old. I'm going to be 39 years old. This is one of the best rosters, if not the best roster I've ever had in my career since the 2016-17 Cavs. And they need me to be great in the fourth quarter. And I obviously LeBron said he doesn't want to be in the minutes restriction. He'd like to not have to carry the burden. He'd like to, that to be Anthony Davis's. He'd like to be the guy to average 20 and seven or eight assists, get the ball to other guys, kind of control the offense, make it in his own image to a certain extent, and, and sort of be the, the, the de facto point guard to a certain point forward to a certain extent, uh, which I think LeBron is at his best when doing. Right now, can't do that. Again, good news for the Lakers. They do have 80 games to correct this. But I saw that last time. I'm like, okay, they're going to have to get this lined up. New pieces, so maybe you're working those in the lineup a little bit, but they're going to need to get that straightened out. But I'm watching. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me with with, 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 with this team and this guy. They're taking this guy for granted. And uh, for their sake, give me an interesting, uh, very interesting next couple, two to three months moving forward. Let's see. Philip Chenault is in the comments. He's a Lakers fan. He says, I'm very hesitant about the Lakers. Now it's only two games of the season, but you have to keep playing LeBron a lot of minutes. He's going to get injured. Great point. And AD can't carry us because of his mindset. And Darvin Ham is our coach. He is not the guy to get us over the hump. That is a fact. I certainly agree with the Darvin, Darvin Ham point. I think he will be the Achilles heel to this team's title hopes. And yeah, that's I, I apologize for not bringing up that point. It's a great point by Philip. is that Again, LeBron is amazing. LeBron's longevity is, in the NBA at least, is literally unheard of. He's not a superhuman. I mean, he still he still cuts and bleeds like the rest of us. I mean, he's and he's dealt with injuries the last few years because he is getting up there in age. From a physical standpoint, he's aged better than most people at age 39, uh, 38, 39 years old, but he is still 38 going on 39 this December. You got to take that into account as well. Great. What's up, Grady? Grady Edwards is in the comments. Always love having him uh, in here. He says, as a Laker fan, I'm not too worried. It's game two. We'll win 47 to 50 games and be ready for the postseason. Denver is the only team I'm afraid of in the West. We're in the mix with Phoenix and Golden State. Denver, the Suns, and the He said, Denver, the Suns, the Lakers, and the Warriors are, kind of, he said, are the true contenders out West. Again, you're higher on the Suns. Most people are higher on the Suns than I am, Grady. Um, I, I simply do not, do not trust this team's ability to stay healthy. I mean, we're, again, we're two games in and they're already injured. Already injured. Booker's hurt. Beal's been hurt. KD's injury prone. Nurkic is injury prone. They don't have a point guard. Their bench is not great. I mean, I think I always say if there's more questions than answers that I have about a team, I don't consider you a contender. Like, I know who the Warriors are. I know who the Nuggets are. I know mostly who the Lakers are. So, yeah, that's a... Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it, it never ceases to amaze me. We are... This, uh, you know, this we're, we're this early in the season, and we're already to, to the point where it's like, oh my God, LeBron's having to carry a team again. Tw year twenty one, he's already having to carry his team again. It's unbelievable. But I'll tell you though, 
And I'll get into I'll get into Milwaukee in just a second. Uh, I, again, we we, t- we we talk about. It. By the way, this is the first time that LeBron and KD have have faced off since Christmas Day. I remember that game. Lakers destroyed us. That was when KD was still with the Warriors. Uh, first time that LeBron and KD have faced uh, faced get off against each other in darn near five years. Which it's it's a shame that it, it took that long. But there was injuries to both guys. Again, they are both getting up there in age. So props to the NBA for saying, you know what, we are not going to to risk this being put off another year or something. We are going to game two of the season, put Lakers Suns. Again, two of the greatest players. LeBron to me is the best player ever. I think KD is around the 15th greatest player ever and still has an opportunity to move up. He did move up to 12th all-time on the all-time scoring list. I think he passed Akeem Olajuwon late in the game. And uh, so, you know, props to props to KD. He's he's one of the greatest scores. That, he's one of the most efficient scores, certainly, that the game has ever seen. Again, he dropped 39 uh, on, again, efficient shooting, 50% for the field, uh, grabbed 11 boards as well. KD's being, again, been very active on the glass. I think he had 11 boards against Golden State in the first game. So KD understands that, you know, understanding Nurkic's sort of fragility uh, physically, you know, I'm going to have to get in there amongst the trees and get some boards. Whether or not his body will be able to, be able to sustain that remains to be seen. But um, great game by Kevin Durant. I thought he was the best player on the floor uh, last night. And, um, but the Lakers are taking LeBron James for granted once again. It's it's it is year twenty one and it's mind boggling. But again, eight hundred forty five clutch shots in his career. But again, I could have sworn I could have sworn people told me that he wasn't clutch. Could have sworn. I don't know. Maybe I'm hallucinating. Here's what I'm not hallucinating on. My balls have a big old game. A big old game tomorrow night in Kentucky against the Wildcats. Uh, we do have a comment here. Grady, <laughs> Grady says, by the way, really am rooting for Harden to the Clippers. That team will implode if he goes there. Well, well they, they've been imploding. <laughs> they've been imploding. They're just going backwards every year, right? Because they got to the second round the first time, got to the Western Conference Finals. That's the furthest they've gotten with this sort of iteration of, the, of this Clippers team in year two. Then they missed the playoffs the year after due to injuries. Last year, they make the playoffs. They only won one single game because Paul George was already hurt. Kawhi got hurt in the series. I mean, I, listen, I sold my Clipper stock. I was all in on this Clippers experiment when it first came to pass in 2019. Once they blew the 3-1 lead to Denver, I, I, I'm never, I, I'm never forgiving them for this. I'm, I'm selling my Clipper stock. I'm out on the Clippers. I may have actually picked them to, win, to, to get to, the, to win the Western Conference Finals when they did end up getting there. So that's that, 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 one was, that was probably on me. But ever since then, yeah, I've been out on the Clippers. But that would be, hey, hey, for, for, for my show's sake, for drama's sake, for storyline's sake, I'm all for it. I am all for James Harden to the to the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm just telling you right now, I'm all for it. But anyways, transitioning now though to to college football. And by the way, we do have some some really interesting games. So Oregon Utah is going to be a it, it's two to me two of the three best teams in the Pac-12 uh, facing off in Utah. The Utes, uh, Duke Louisville is an interesting one. So again, some solid games in college football this weekend. Uh, watch out for Colorado against UCLA. Uh, Watch out! Uh, Shador Sanders is 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 you know looking for sort of a bounce back game. He got uh, Travis Hunter back in the lineup. Just just watch out for that one. Okay, Colorado's pissed off coming off the way they played and blowing that lead against Stanford. So that, uh, watch out for Colorado. But my balls got a big one on the road at Kentucky. So it is time. You know what time it is, y'all? It's time for the ball view. Here we go.
football time in Tennessee. That it is. It is time for the Vol View live here on Carving It Up. And I got to say, I am... I'm really excited about this one from the standpoint of this is a big-time bounce-back opportunity uh, for my Vols. So we've got on, we got this game on the road at Kentucky, right? So Tennessee on the road, four-point favorites against the Wildcats. Both Tennessee and Kentucky share the same record, 5-2. and two. The problem is uh, one of those teams is this has been a common theme throughout my show today. I didn't mean for it to be, but that's it's just how, it, how, how we're rolling today. Uh, one of those teams is full gold, fool's gold, and their name is the Kentucky Wildcats. So uh, Kentucky's 5-2, and two, and, and there's a lot of hype going into the season about this quarterback, Devin Leary. And I know a guy named Devin. He's at the Grid Network. Devin Nettle. Shout out to my guy. He's a Ravens fan. Nobody's perfect, but I love my guy. I lo- love Devin. Love Devin. Devin Leary, though, I'm not so high on. Okay, so he's the quarterback of the Kentucky Wildcats. There was a lot of hype coming into the season about how, hey, he could be potentially better than Will Levis, who at one time was actually pegged as, as, a, as a number four or five draft pick in, in this past NFL draft by the Colts or by, I don't even remember who drafted fifth. Uh, in, in the draft this year. He ended up fell, falling to the, the second round to the Titans, which, by the way, Devin Nettles actually predicted on our draft show. True story. Shout out again to Devin. But Devin Leary this year, so Kentucky gets off to the start. They're, they're 4-0, and then they're 5-0. They beat, they beat Florida, and there's all this hype around the Kentucky Wildcats. But listen, I know well enough as a Vols fan, there's certainly hype around us from year to year, and I, I, I listen. I have to be real. I hate to say this in the vault view of all segments, but we oftentimes last year was the exception. Don't live quite up to those expectations, and you could argue we haven't done uh, quite as well as maybe I thought, or maybe the national media thought, fans thought that the Vols would do in 2023. But the Kentucky is the def- Kentucky Wildcats are the definition in football, and to a certain extent, by the way, in men's basketball as well, have been a little bit of a pretender. Because they're 5-0, and then they play Georgia. Now, it's Georgia. It's the number one team in America, but they got beat 51-13. to Well, everybody loses to Georgia, and certainly everybody loses to Georgia at Georgia. Bulldogs have not lost a game since the 2021 SEC title game. So it's like, okay, we just kind of chalk that up and move on. But then they play Missouri. Now, Missouri's very good, for the record. I, I, I'm really high on the Missouri Tigers this year. But you got that game on your home field. And Kentucky was playing good football in that first half, uh, or certainly the first quarter. They're up 14-zip, and the rest of the game, they get outscored 38-7. And Devin Leary, ugh, he, 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 he struggled in this game, throwing two interceptions and barely completing over 50% of his passes and barely throwing for 100 yards. Kentucky, though, is top three in the SEC in virtually every rushing category. Whether it's yards per carry, whether it's yards uh, total, yards per game. I mean, they, they are they are an elite rushing attack in the Southeastern Conference. Part of the reason for that is they don't trust their quarterback. They're saying, I mean, again, in that game, which that's the last game they played, was against Missouri two weeks ago at home. They ran the ball 31 times for a buck 79, 5.8 yards of carry. I mean, they were like, hey, let's just give the ball to all of our, 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 our key backs here. Ray Davis in particular. But at the end of the day, when, they tra- when they're trailing by double digits, they got to rely on the quarterback to actually throw passes, then it becomes a little bit of a problem. Then it, be- it turns into a situation where you don't try- quite-, quite trust him as-, as-, as much as you would, even a Will Levis. And I was never a Will Levis guy, but he certainly was capable of-, of-, of the occasional comeback, or at least keeping you in games from time to time for the perspective of if things aren't going well, you can rely on him to get the back of the game with his arm. Not Devin Leary. Not Devin Leary. So, again, in this matchup, Tennessee is favored minus four. And, again, we're coming off of a 
Really tough loss to Alabama. Still haven't quite recovered from it. I got to be honest with y'all. Just it's Alabama. I, 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 there's an Alabama fan I, I know very well. Good, good uh, friend of mine, and he was uh, he, he kind of let me hear it. Not too bad. He's 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 a cool dude, but he he, he let me hear it a little bit yesterday uh, at the at the gym playing basketball. But the point is, Tennessee's up twenty to seven in the first half. Joe Milton's balling out. Defensive line is is getting to Jalen Milrow of Alabama, and the secondary is forcing turnovers. And in the second half, we get shut out. Was it 30? Gosh, it was 20. I'm sorry. It was 27 zip. Jalen Miller was fantastic. Uh, I think it was Isaiah Bond. I'm pretty sure is his name. Uh, the wide receiver for Alabama broke the game open to, or not broke the game open, but got Bama back into it with a long touchdown to sort of uh, shift the momentum in that football game. So it was, a, it was a really tough loss for Tennessee. Joe Milton had a critical turnover late. I, other than that, I actually thought he played relatively well. I thought he's one of the few uh, bright spots for my Vols. And so, but I'm looking at this one. Kentucky's coming off a of bye. All the the wise guys in Vegas are saying, take the Wildcats. Understand the fact that Kentucky is 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 playing really good football right now, or was playing good football up until these last two games. And you know, it, it, it's 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 not it's not what it seems, right? Like Tennessee, they match up well with Tennessee because their ability to to run the football at a high level. Listen, folks, at the end of the day, this this is Tennessee, this is Kentucky. There was a time actually up until about a decade ago in which Tennessee had this crazy win streak against Kentucky. So, uh, and, and then they had the Butch Jones era and the Jeremy Pruitt era, and there were some losses in there. And so it's it, Mark, Stoop, I, Mark Stoops, by the way, head coach of the Wildcats, has done a, a heck of a job. Given the situation he's in, they're not going to put Alabama expectations on him or Oklahoma or, or USC expectations. The guy, that wouldn't be fair, obviously. Obviously, uh, but he's done well with what he's given. But if this comes down to the quarterback matchup, which I believe to a certain degree it, it will, both teams will run the ball well. Uh, Kentucky's come off the bye, so they're they're rested. Both teams pissed off coming out their last game, getting blown out. But both teams can run the football effectively. But at some point or another, it's going to come down to can the quarterback for the other side make the necessary throw necessary throws to win the game? My quarterback can. Joe Milton can. Devin Leary has shown us unequivocally he cannot. Give me my balls. 34 to 20. That should say balls uh, minus four. I apologize for that. Uh, that should say balls minus four. But nonetheless, Tennessee will cover. Actually, do have a bet uh, on this game. So I do, I do feel confident in Tennessee's ability to to win when it's all said and done. But giving my balls thirty four to twenty over the Wildcats to win this game. I've got a um, uh, let's see, do, do we have the second graphic? I think we've got it back on. Hang on, let's see, T Tennessee, Kentucky. I've got it on here at some point. Where is it? Because because again, I, this was minus four. If it was, if it was minus nine, I'd still take Tennessee. I'm, I'm just I'm not I'm not gonna lie to y'all. Okay, I think the matchup works much better uh, in Tennessee's favor. Uh, what do we got here? Let's see. Okay, there it is. Yeah, Tennessee, 34 to 20. Updated the line. There's Tennessee minus four. It's kind of flirted with – the Vegas is kind of flirted with the minus three and a half, minus four line uh, over the last week or so. It's a night game in, in in Lexington, which the last time that was the case, Tennessee went on the road. And uh, I think we won that game by five, if I'm not mistaken. Hinn and Hooker balled out, outplayed Will Levis. The game in my balls, 34 to 20 over the Kentucky Wildcats. So that's it for this edition of the Vol View. We'll be back next week. Tennessee, I think, has a I think we have a homecoming game against UConn. It's like an old a women's basketball uh, matchup, except it's in football. Tennessee, UConn. Uh, shout out, rest in peace to Pat Summit and shout out to Gio Ariema. Those were great battles back in the day. But Tennessee beats Kentucky 34 20. They cover the four point spread. And that is it for this edition of the Vol View.
in Tennessee. Never gets old hearing the voice of the late, great John Ward. Got a comment here by my man Grady Edwards. He says, I had a friend tell me he thought the Chiefs were America's team as we speak. They're winners, the most popular, got the Taylor Swift thing going on. I'm like, eh, on it. Have any thoughts? Well, I think the, so obviously you mentioned the the winners, they're the most popular team. I still think the Cowboys from a, from a marketing perspective, are the most popular team. You cannot turn a show on in television, including at times my show, without them w- without them talking about the Cowboys or podcast, TV show, radio show, whatever the case may be, article. But again, I think the ta- I'm kind of with you in that the Taylor Swift thing kind of does change things because listen, she she is after all probably the most popular, not just woman in America or the world, really. You could argue the most popular human being. In America, I mean, given the the tour, the Eras tour, and I think she just re released an album last night. So, uh, or technically this morning at at at, at midnight. I had obviously the, my my mother or my sister were just going crazy about. It. They're they're big time Swifties. So I'm I'm kind of I'm up to speed on all the stuff, all the, all the Taylor news, uh, Taylor Swift news as we speak. So, but that changes things. And by the way, Grady, it's funny you mentioned that because we had a discussion on the eight o'clock spot. Uh, by the way, folks, for those who don't know, 8 o'clock spot, game show on the Grid Network every uh, Tuesday night at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, Grid Network YouTube channel. Check it out. But uh, we actually had this discussion when the whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing first kind of started and she was going to games and stuff. And I asked the question. I had two Cowboys fans on, Barry Grant Jr. and Mike Guido, the two founders of the Grid Network. Shout out to them. And the question was, what would the NFL rather happen? Would it be... The Cowboys, America's team, the biggest brand in all of sports all over the world. Would it be the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl? Or would it be uh, Travis Kelsey winning Super Bowl MVP, going for like 190 yards and two touchdowns, and holding the Lombardi Trophy with Taylor Swift at his side? And the press that would bring. And it's like that. I mean, I, again, it's... it's. Some say Dallas. I probably lean that side. But it's a hard question. It really is. Um... I mean, it, 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 so I still think the reason I still think the Cowboys are America's team great is, is the same reason I've always said they're America's team in that if there's anything, you know, it, it's like with our presidents, not to get political. I'm not going to mention any particular president in, in, in individually, regardless of party. But, you know, when a president is in office, we either love them or hate them, right? It's, it's usually split unless you're just a really bad president or even a really great president. It's usually kind of split down the middle. The, the his or her party love them and, and the other party absolutely hates their guts. Like that's, that's kind of how I feel about the Cowboys and that people who love the Cowboys, they love the Cowboys and people who don't like the Cowboys really don't like the Cowboys. There's not that many people. There's really not that are sort of in between neutral on Dallas. There's not, I mean, listen, I'm a, I I'm saying this as a former Cowboys fan and a still a Dak fan. So I still do root for the Cowboys uh, to win games. Um, it's not it's it's rare you come across that person like, yeah, I don't hate the Cowboys, but I don't I don't like center my Sundays around them. That and they're the, the highest rated team in the league. They play on Thanksgiving, you know, America's uh, you know, late November holiday. So I don't know. It's you can make a case. There's the Chiefs right now. I would agree with you, Grady, that they're the most popular team right now with the Taylor Swift stuff. And obviously, given the fact we can't just forget that Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, Travis Kelsey is their tight end, and obviously they've the fame has has gone more so now than it did then, but uh, I'd still say Dallas is America's team. I, I I would. Now if now now if that what I said came to fruition, Kelsey won Super Bowl MVP, 
and let's just say contain your try and contain yourself swifties okay try and contain yourself but let's say it this thing worked and let's say travis and taylor let's just say they tied the knot that'd be the biggest that would be bigger than a royal wedding maybe that's too far that would be our version in america of you know, if it's uh, where it's Will and Kate or uh, or Harry and Meghan, whatever that that will be America's version of that. At that point, because Kansas City is going to keep winning Super Bowls, we assume. I mean, this this is the new dynasty of the NFL. I don't know. I don't know. I, the, the, we could do. I could. I we could do a whole pot. Grady, like we, we need. Maybe we need to do this. Like we we could do like a whole podcast on this because it's it is a whole like subject. Um. <laughs> Grady, Katy Perry over Taylor Swift. By the way, I don't know. That's that's tough for me. Because I, I love Katy Perry. She put on a an incredible halftime show in in 2015 at Super Bowl 49. She was riding on the big tiger. That was a, an amazing show. Uh, and she's obviously on American Idol now with with my guy Luke Bryan and Lionel Richie. Uh, I'd probably have to go Taylor. I don't even consider myself a Swifty. I'd probably go Taylor. And I love Katy Perry, by the way. I have no, no, like if, if there's any, I don't know what Katy Perry's fan base is called. If, if, if the, you know, if the Katy Perry fans don't come at me, okay, I'm, this is not, a, and this is not an attack on Katy Perry, but I have to go Taylor Swift. Now, now, if you ask me Rihanna or Taylor Swift, if you ask me Beyonce or Taylor Swift, now that's a different conversation. You know, that, 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 that that's a different, I'm always, I'm going to roll with obviously Beyonce. We, we know she is what she represents. Rihanna's fantastic as well. Um, I would roll with them, but I'd probably go Taylor over Katie. I'd, I'd probably go Taylor over Katie, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> Phillips says Kanye over Taylor. Nah, no, nah, no. Nah. Kanye's got some bigger issues than than that. Uh, oof. I feel bad for that guy, but he's he's dug himself a hole. But that's that that too is another conversation for another day. You know what? See, this is why, folks. This is why I love doing live shows because the, the 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 interaction with the comment section it starts discussions completely veering out of the way of, of what I was initially going to do, but I love it. Like this is, this is the fun part of, of doing the show world series predictions coming about it coming up in about eight to 10 minutes or so. I did want to talk about the other NBA game last night. The first game uh, before that looks like we have another, uh, <laughs> you're, you're crazy. Grady. <laughs> Kanye, Making Alex Jones the voice of reason. Well, listen, none of them, voice of reason is in neither of their dictionaries. So I, I would put them in that same category. Now, Alex Jones, I I, I could, listen. Yeah, Alex Jones is in that very, 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 very small group of people that if I saw him on the street, I I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything to him. Like, I, I, yeah, it's, that's another, again, that, that too is another conversation for another show. But those two, they're crazy. Yeah, we, we know they're crazy. But, Seriously, though, to, to the NBA, though, first game was the Sixers and the Bucks. So uh, Milwaukee won that game, 118-117. There were some officiating calls there toward the end. I didn't think it was a travel on Giannis with about a minute to go. I didn't think it was uh, just by the letter of the law. I, I didn't think it met the criteria, but I understand why people had an issue with it. But uh, Milwaukee won by one. There was a late three hit at the very end that made it closer. Milwaukee was actually up by four because of some little free throws with about 10 seconds left. So the score is a little misleading. But Damian Lillard could not have asked for a better, almost said Blazers. It's, I, I associate Dame in Portland so much. It's, it's just we've gotten used to it for the last you know 11 years. 
up to this point, but Dame Lillard couldn't ask couldn't ask for a better Bucks debut. Dropped 39, 8 and 4 on 9 for 20 shooting, 4 for 12 from 3, but was absolutely spectacular in the fourth quarter. I think he scored something like 15 in the fourth quarter. Uh really really got it done for the Bucks down the stretch. I think last night, I don't think that could have went better for Milwaukee. I think last night is better than if they had just blown Philadelphia out. If they had just if, if they had won 120 to 104, something like that, they controlled the game throughout. Giannis was awesome. Dame played well, and the supporting cast was good. They're at home in front of that fan base. Like, I think this was this is better for them because Philly. While I don't buy them as a title contender, Joel Embiid just, did just win MVP last year. He is still the second best big in all basketball, and second best is not even a shot. And beats a beats led the league in scoring the last two years. He's a spectacular player. Uh, this Philly roster is not bad, and I like Nick Nurse as a coach. This is a playoff team. This is like a mid-tier playoff team in the Eastern Conference. I have them as the five seed. Maybe they'll be higher. Maybe they won't. But this team has experienced playing with each other. Embiid, Tobias Harris, you know, uh, uh, Tyrese Maxey. Like they, they, they know each other, so there's familiarity there. Not a lot of familiarity with Milwaukee, given the fact they traded Drew Holiday, traded Grayson Allen, traded all these guys to bring Dame in. And they haven't had a lo- whole lot of time, given that the trade happened weeks ago, to kind of work each other out. But not only in game one do they already fit together. And to me, that you can usually tell right off the bat if, if, if something fits. Like Chris Paul, the Warriors, first game. He didn't shoot well, but God, the bench looked great with Chris Paul. And, and there was a nice fit there, and it'll only get better from here. Um, LeBron and A. James and Anthony Davis fit like game one, game two right off the bat. And you can see that right now with Giannis and with Damian Lillard. I think the fact, and Giannis alluded to it. Giannis and, and Lillard did a pregame interview before last night, and Giannis said something along the lines of, this is Dame's team. Now, I disagree with it. It's Giannis's team. Giannis is still, I, and I, I've always, always been a Damian Lillard fan. Always, you guys know, Dame's my guy. But Giannis is still the best player in the box. Like, let's not get that twisted. He's, he's one of the two or three best players in all basketball. He's the best two-way player in the sport. And he's still spectacular. Giannis, by the way, dropped a pedestrian by his standards, 23 points, but still grabbed 13 boards and played great defense. This is what Milwaukee needed. And this is what I said when the trade happened that, listen, I like Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, for the records, made multiple All-Star games. He's a very good player. Uh, his, 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 his abilities have been sapped, it would appear, by a certain to a certain degree due to the injuries. But Chris Middleton's still a very productive player uh, in the NBA, although he didn't have a great night last night, only took five shots, only played 16 minutes. This is what they were looking for. This is the guy that Giannis, great as he is, we saw this in the Miami series, he's not a give the ball to Giannis, get out of the way, he's going to get his own shot. He's going to try and, and drive it, Overpower, overpower you. I've said he's the best player in the NBA within five feet of the basket since Shaq. I think the numbers and, and our, the eye test bear that out. But if Giannis doesn't get that shot the rim, if you sort of, there's a sort of uh, build the wall. Remember, remember the Miami Heat sort of put that together. Toronto Raptors did that as well, where it's build the wall, stop Giannis in the paint. You can't do that now with Dame. You've got to have somebody to account for him on the perimeter. And for the record, they were, Dame was just in d- typical Dame fashion, hitting very tough shots. The step back threes and, and off the dribble. I mean, that's that's what he's been doing for the better part of the last decade. And so this is this is why I say, and I picked Boston to win to win the Eastern Conference over Milwaukee ever so slightly. I even when I did my standings, I had Boston winning 60, Philly, I'm sorry, uh, Milwaukee winning 59. I think the, the gap between them is razor thin. Will not be shocked in the absolute slightest if Milwaukee comes out of the East. I just like Boston's depth better. I thought Boston, uh, I thought I thought the addition of Sam Cassell as an assistant coach was actually bigger than, than, than people gave it credit for. But this was 
This was great for Milwaukee to sort of establish who they are in late-game situations when the game is tight. It's Giannis be our best player for 46 minutes. Last two, everybody get out the way. Give the ball to Dame. Let him go to work. Now, that's not to say ignore Giannis, of course, in the last two minutes. If he's got the matchup uh, you know, advantage, get the ball to Giannis. If you got other guys, if, if there's an open shooter, kick it to a shooter. If it's Middleton, if it's Bobby Portis, somebody like that, get the ball to them. Connaughton as well. But that was, I think last night was the best case scenario for an opening night game for Milwaukee where they sort of established this is who we are in late game situations. We're, it's Giannis's team for 46, and it's Dame's team through the, through the last two minutes. So I, I, I thought that was great win for Milwaukee. Every, every win's good, obviously. Uh, even for the Lakers, who I, I criticize for being too LeBron reliant, but every win is good, obviously. But um, great win for Milwaukee, and that was... I mean, Dame was, Dame was spectacular. Of course, he's, I think he's the 10th best player in basketball, but uh, that was that was the best thing that could have happened for them in terms of their identity as a basketball team this season. Got a comment here from my, by, uh, by Grady. He says, do you feel like Philadelphia should fire Daryl Morey and just trade James Harden and just reinstate Elton Brand as the GM? I've been noticing a pattern with Daryl Morey. Guy seems to have some drama. In fairness to Daryl Morey, Grady, some of that is, a lot of that drama has been attached to Harden. And again, it's kind of hard to avoid. I mean, there was drama in Houston. There was drama in Brooklyn. There's drama now in Philadelphia. I mean, there's a common denominator here. Daryl Morey was not in Brooklyn when that all fizzled out. But listen, I, I've said, and there was the report, and this is, this is wild. The Chris Haynes report. I don't know if anybody saw this before the game when Chris Haynes, excellent insider of the NBA, reported that Harden going against the team's wishes because the team wanted him to stay at home. The Hardens came back. There's reports saying that he was taking care of his mom, so obviously all the respect in the world to him for that. But Harden rejoined the team, and he was wanting to, to get on the road trip to Milwaukee with the team. And the team said, no, we want you to, to get back in shape. You know, If you've missed the last 10 days, you want to track your progress and eventually get, get you back on the court sooner rather than later. But Harden's like, no, I want to play now. So he shows up to the airport, and security says, no, we're not letting you through. It's like, wow, this, this thing is really – Philadelphia's put their foot down. I mean, props to them. You know, They're, they're not going to be like like Brooklyn and, Phil, or, and Houston. They're not just going to cave. But I, I said on Tuesday's prediction show, I said this is, this, is the, this is an opportunity for it to be a wake-up call for Harden if he has the, enough self-awareness to allow it to be a wake-up call in that with the whole – uh, Clippers situation where, and Grady has alluded to, like he hopes the Clippers trade happens, but the Clippers wanted to trade for James Harden. And Philadelphia said, okay, we're putting together, there's some draft picks in here, we want Terrence Mann. And the Clippers said, no thank you. They were not willing to give up the fifth best player on their team, and I mean best case scenario, best case scenario, on a great night, the fifth best player on their team for James Harden, who's a 20-10 and 10 guy. If that's not a wake-up call to Harden, I'm not sure what is. Seems to just get, be getting uglier by the day. So Philadelphia is in a, they've been in a rough spot for a while. Their, their organizational structure is not great right now, and it is what it is in that regard. Yeah, I thought that was a, and by the way, last night, again, you never, it is October. I mean, let's be honest, the NBA season is all about what happens in April, May, and June. So there, there's a long way to go. Teams are going to change. Trades are going to happen. But if you could also, if you're an optimist on the 76ers, you could sit back and say, time out. Milwaukee got much better. Dame was amazing. 
and we lost by a point. Now, albeit there was a, a buzzer beater hit at the end that didn't impact the outcome of the game. It did impact the score and cut the, cut the Bucks lead to one. But you could also look at it and say, we're not terribly far off. We did upgrade at head coach. I like Nick Nurse more than I like Doc Rivers. We know Doc's playoff history. Nurse's is better. It's not, it's not amazing, but it, it, he does have a championship. Embiid is still awesome. If we could get him a legit co-star with the supporting pieces, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey. Maybe Tyrese Maxey evolves into that second guy. I'm not sure, but it still feels like they need a couple of pieces in order to, to really compete with Boston and, and, and with the Milwaukee Bucks, and frankly, I think with the New York Knicks, uh, who I have beating them in the, in the first round this year. I'm not sure, but Philly is not, at least for one game, not quite as far off as, as maybe we initially thought, but uh, you know, only time will tell in that regard. But it's... It's, it's, it's an interesting situation. There's no question about that. Um, hang on. So, again, we've got World Series game one tonight, which I, I, I'm a, I know everybody's like, ah, it's Diamondbacks and Rangers. Like, this isn't a this isn't the, the, the typical World Series that is just like box office must-see TV. And certainly, I, I thought to the level that last year was where it was uh, Philadelphia and, and Houston, ironically, the two teams that went out on their home field in a game seven. But I, I, I did think to a certain extent that Given the pitching matchup, given the the talent offensively on both of these squads, and given two, and we can, you know what? Let's just go and put the background music on. Let's just go and get into the the World Series uh, predictions uh, real quick here. There we go. Background music. So World Series game one tonight in Texas, in Arlington, Texas. Ironically, so uh, given that it's the fact that the Texas Rangers figuratively and literally are sort of in the shadows of the Dallas Cowboys in that uh, Texas has, has sort of always been this team. Like we, we look at Texas and, and and we say like, they're, they're not the market that the Cowboys are. I would argue not even as much as the Mavericks are considering the Mavericks have Luca, but they come out of nowhere. They spent a lot of money in free agency the last two years. They got Corey Seager. They added Jacob deGrom, albeit deGrom obviously is, is, is not healthy right now. Got hurt very early this season. However, you have this this kid, Adoles Garcia, who plays out of his, I mean, is the best player in that series against the Houston Astros from Game 5 on, certainly from Game 6 on uh, against Houston, and really helped the Rangers rebound from what was a devastating Game 5 loss to the, the defending champion Astros to come back and win that series in Houston. But again, for, for Texas, pitching has been fantastic. I had some serious questions about Max Scherzer going into Game 7, given his pitching performance with the Mets at times with the with the Rangers, and given the fact that up to this point, his postseason performance had, had, had not been great. But he was good enough in Game 7. He has history pitching in big games, so he'll be fine. They've got some other good pitchers over there. Offense is really opportunistic and can, can absolutely explode uh, consistently. So, But as for the Arizona Diamondbacks, what I love about this World Series is that these two teams built built their roster, built the ball, built their ball clubs very differently, but they came from the same sort of depths of, of, of the sport. Two years ago, both Texas and Arizona lost over 100 games. So they were at, in the cellar, uh, the Diamondbacks in the cellar of the NL and the Rangers in the cellar of the AL, and to come back as quickly as they have is a credit to, to both of their front offices. Arizona, though, kind of built it through their farm system to a large degree. Obviously, Corbin Carroll is the star of that baseball baseball team. He had an excellent, uh, he's had an excellent playoffs uh, thus far, has an opportunity to, to, to win a World Series. But I think in totality, when you look at the obviously home field advantage, I think will play a much bigger uh, role in this series. And I think it has it, certainly in the in the ALCS and in the NLCS. <sighs> this is going to sound harsh, and I get how this may land in um, 
in Arizona. The Diamondbacks feel like a little bit more of, of a better story than a team right now. I think Texas right now is a better baseball team. I like Texas's pitching. I like how good their offense has been as of late. And I think game one tonight is going to be an opportunity. Can you consider, you know, on the mound tonight, they're going to have uh, my guy Nathan Avaldi, uh, who helped us win a World Series five years ago to the day tomorrow. So shout out to my fellow Red Sox fans out there. But I think this is an opportunity for him to, given his postseason resume, to really come out and make a statement. And for the Rangers to get out uh, up on the up on the Diamondbacks quickly in the same way they did the Astros. I'm going to take Texas to win this series in six games. They beat the Arizona Diamondbacks in six games. And I'm going to say... Corey Seager, I'm going to say Corey Seager wins his second, because he already has one. He shouldn't have got it. should have went to Mookie Betts, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, when Corey Seager won the World Series, ironically, in Texas, because it was a bubble during COVID, uh, when he was with the, with the Los Angeles Dodgers, won a World Series MVP with that team. I think he gets number two. I think he takes advantage uh, of Arizona in certain spots with runners in scoring position. So I'll take Corey Seager to be the MVP of the World Series and the Texas Rangers to win in six games. That's what I've got for the World Series. By the way, again, game one tonight in about an hour. So what a great weekend of sports we have, though. I'm about to get my NFL predictions. What a great weekend. So we got, of course, college football, NFL. We got World Series. I'm excited personally for tonight. Obviously, I'm going to watch the World Series, but my Warriors take on the Kings in a rematch of what was a nutty series a year ago. Uh, it went, went all the way to game seven, in which Wardell, Stephen Curry the second dropped a fitty burger. Fitty burger. In Sacramento on the Kings, so. And by the way, Sacramento looked good in the first game against Utah. Did, didn't Harrison Barnes drop like 30 points? So, props to him, but that'll be a fun game tonight. Sacramento is a three-point favorite. So, again, as the old as the old, as the old gambling rule goes, the old Vegas rule goes, home team automatically gets three. So, they're saying these teams are pretty evenly matched. I think Golden State's better, but Sacramento is certainly not a, a team to, to just laugh at or sneeze at because and they've got they got some talent. But again, how, how about this, though? This stat just came in. This is according to ESPN. I, I wanted to get to this, then we'll get to NFL predictions. So this sort of this alludes to what I was talking about earlier with the Lakers are far too LeBron James reliant, which is ridiculous considering how good the roster is, consider, considering he's year 21. The Lakers' net efficiency with LeBron on the court is plus 20.6. With him off the court, it's minus 52.9. I mean, this goes to exactly what I've been saying. So, again, we're two games in. We're two games in. But this is, if they don't get this addressed by January, February, this could be a problem for the Lakers. Could be a problem. What's not a problem, what I'm very excited about, is NFL predictions. So let's just get the background music going right now because we've got some great games this weekend in the National Football League. So let's start. Let's just let's just dive right in. Start right off the bat with an AFC North matchup. This features the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. New England coming off of a W. Miami coming off of a loss. So Dolphins, big big favorites at home in this game, minus nine and a half. So look, I know everybody. Everybody's all into the Patriots right now, right? Like, they beat the Bills, which the belief in New England, because the fact that they beat that team in particular, to me, speaks to a larger problem in that there's there's more belief in Buffalo than there should be. But nonetheless, 
They beat Buffalo. Uh, Mac Jones, to his credit, as backup quarterbacks are prone to do, because Mac Jones is a backup quarterback. I've just been had this curve for a while. Backup quarterbacks have good games every once in a while. And Mac Jones had his best game in probably like a year against the Buffalo Bills. Had a pass rating over 100. Led a game-winning drive, to his credit. uh, Was good down the red zone. And this is an opportunity for the record against the Miami defense that has really struggled as of late. Uh, got torched by the Philadelphia Eagles. Got torched by the Buffalo Bills. Even Bryce Young, who's been terrible the first part of this year, built a 14-0 lead on this Miami team early on just two weeks ago. So this Miami defense can be had. But the good news for the Dolphins, and this is huge, Jalen Ramsey is back this week. So it looks like he's going to play. There was initial reports when he got hurt back in training camp, early training camps. This was like late July, darn near basically three months ago, that he wouldn't be back until December. But he's back from injury, back in the lineup. And the good news for Jalen Ramsey is it isn't like he's going to be have to, he's going to have to line up against Stephon Diggs or George Pickens or Justin Jefferson or some of the better receivers in the NFL. He gets to line up against whoever he wants. Is it Devontae Parker? Is it, like, pick your New England receiver. He's going to line up against that guy. Shut him down. So I'm going to take the Dolphins to win this game and, and win relatively easily uh, by a final score of 30-16 to 16 over the New England Patriots. I just think, I, I hate, I think this matchup is really bad for New England. As much as I don't like this, 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 this Dolphins defense, I don't think this is a, this is an offense for New England that can really test, uh, t- test this, this, uh, this Patriots. I'm sorry, this is not an offense for New England that can test this Dolphins defense. So that said, I'm going with Miami to win 30-17 to 17 and cover the nine-point spread. This next one was a tough one for me. It really was. So, Jaguars against my Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Jacksonville in Pittsburgh, nonetheless, is a two and a half point favorite. It's actually shifted a little bit down to two. It'll probably kind of hover around that area up until kickoff at one o'clock Eastern at Acrisure Stadium. Still should be Heinz Field, but nonetheless, this is a tough one. This is almost Bryce's Blake Beck game. Listen, I think you guys know what I think about uh, about Trevor Lawrence. I think he's the third best quarterback in football. I just think I'm ahead of the curve on this one. I'm ahead of everybody else on this. I think what he's shown over the last, ever since the midpoint of last season, has been nothing short of spectacular. Uh, again, we, we, we kind of crap on Trevor. We crap on the Jags at times. We don't give them the respect that we do give teams like the Bills or the Dolphins or teams like that or the Bengals, which in Cincinnati's defense, they have been to a Super Bowl. But we forget the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars have a four-game winning streak, which is the second longest in the NFL to the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs. We also forget the fact that against the Saints, who have a tremendous defense, especially at least in terms of their personnel, and as much as I don't like Dennis Allen as a head coach, he's a heck of a defensive uh, mind and play caller. Uh, Trevor Lawrence on one leg dropped 31 points in them and had a passer rating over 100. Now, in fairness, seven of those points came in a pick six, but nonetheless, led a game-winning drive, pass rating over 100 on one leg, led the Jaguars in rushing. So he gets an extra time to prepare 10 days off before this game against Pittsburgh. This is going to be a typical Pittsburgh Steelers low-scoring game. The offense finally showed a pulse. It showed a pulse against the Los Angeles Rams. But I think the bet is is pretty obvious in this one. As talented a quarterback as Trevor is and as good of a defense as the Steelers have, this is bound to be low scoring. And therefore, Mike Tomlin, underdog at home. For the record, he's 16-9 straight up. Not even just against the spread, straight up as a home underdog. You have no idea how bad I wanted to pick my Steelers to win this game. And obviously, of course, I'm mean, pulling for us to, to win this game and get to 5-2. and two. But I'm going to roll with the Jaguars by a final score of 20-19. to 19. I think the obvious, obvious uh, 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 bet right here is the is the, uh, is the Jaguars. I'm sorry, is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers plus 2.5. Give me Pittsburgh plus 2.5. And, and I certainly hope to win outright. 
But this is Trevor Lawrence we're talking about, and he can overcome almost anything. So I'll take the Jaguars, begrudgingly, 20-19. to 19. Listen, I will say this, and then we'll move on to, to Jets-Giants, Battle of New York. If my Steelers beat the Jaguars on Sunday, we just may have to flirt with the thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers may very well be contenders out of the AFC. You're like, what? With Kenny Pickett? Not necessarily with Kenny Pickett. Fourth quarter Kenny, who is money. Kenny Pickett is, has a pass ring for 100 in the fourth quarter. He's great uh, in the last 15 minutes. However, this is Trevor Lawrence we're talking about. This is one of the three best quarterbacks of sport. You hold him down? You beat him up? Oh, listen. There's nobody can be in that regard to me outside of Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm just saying, watch out. As our typical, the, 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 there's their, there's the age-old comment by Patrick Brown of the Grid Network. It says, Broncos country, let's cry. Well, I'll get to Denver later on the show. I think my, my, my prediction for that game may actually surprise some people. But again, I'll take the Jaguars begrudgingly 20-19 over my Steelers. But I really, I would be beyond thrilled if we were to get this W over my man Trevor Lawrence. Next game, Battle of New York. Not really the Subway, not Subway Series, not really the Subway game because they play in the exact same stadium. This isn't Mets-Yankees uh, vibes or even Nets-Knicks vibes. But Jets-Giants face off basically every four years, although with the scheduling change, they could face within two years. That's a different discussion for another show. But the Jets at home, or actually, well, technically both teams are at home, but it's a designated home game for the Giants. I don't know if Vegas is factoring, the, factoring in the whole the home team gets three points thing. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, Jets are three-point favorites against the Giants. Both teams obviously play at MetLife Stadium. So look, Terod Taylor is going to start this week. Daniel Jones has already been declared out for this game. He's still dealing with the neck injury. Again, the poor guy. I'm not a Daniel Jones guy, but the dude was getting absolutely beat up like crazy behind that bad Giants offensive line. But last couple weeks, albeit the Giants have only scored 23 points in their last two games, but... With Tyrod Taylor, experienced veteran backup quarterback, they're not turning the ball over. By the way, he's getting the ball to Darren Waller. He's taking shots to Jalen Hyatt. You still have Saquon Barkley healthy. Uh, and listen, the Jets are coming off a bye week. They have a great defense. But the key to this Jets defense, what makes them so great, and this isn't a, again, this isn't a, a shot at the Jets defense because I think it's outstanding. Part of what makes New York so good is they really, really feast off of turnovers. And the stats bear it out. When they don't take the ball away, they're just not the same defense. Well, Tyrod Taylor plays mistake-free football. I get the Jets are coming off a bye, but folks, give me the New York Giants in this game. Low-scoring affair. Again, neither neither offense is, is uh, exactly going to be a mistake with the Chiefs or the 49ers of the Lions, but I will take the, the, the Giants to win this game in an upset by a final score of 17-13. to 13. Bare minimum, take the Giants in the, in the three points. At least do that for me, okay? Because this is, again, Vegas is kind of giving you the, handing you uh, handing you money here to a certain a certain extent. But again, I will go with the New York Giants to win this game 17-13 to 13 over the New York Jets. And again, for for Tyler Tyra Taylor, look, he's again, he's playing smart football, mistake-free football. That that kind of stuff matters in terms of whether or not you can you can pull off some some upset wins here and there. So I will take the Giants to beat the Jets. If we can get me back on screen here. There we go. Uh next game is the Atlanta Falcons and the Tennessee Titans from Nashville. Great. I love Nashville. We need an NBA team and a major league baseball team and a WNBA team. I'm just putting that out there. But Falcons on the road in Tennessee are a two and a half point favorite. Uh, I, this was almost my if I were a Batman game. Again, this is another one where Vegas is literally handing you the money. They're saying, here you go. Tennessee is in a fire sale right now. They just traded Kevin Bynard to the Philadelphia Eagles. Ryan Tannehill, we can back on Tannehill. He's not elite, whatever. Ryan Tannehill is still a solid starter in the NFL and frankly didn't have much time behind that terrible Titans offensive line. 
Ryan Tannehill's out of this game, so reports are it's going to be Malik Willis and potentially, uh, uh, what's his name, Will Levis. Malik Willis and Will Levis may may uh, share snaps or share a, a snap uh, snap count to a certain degree. Uh, listen, this is a anytime you have to use two quarterbacks. You know, the great John Madden once said, "Rest in peace, John Madden." He once said that if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Essentially saying that if you're starting two guys, that you obviously don't have the guy because one guy hasn't separated himself over the other. So that's where the Titans are at right now. They're in a position where they're darn near. They won't, they'd never admit this because Mike Vrabel's their head coach. They might be tanking. There's rumors Derrick Henry to the Dallas Cowboys. Or or there's even, I've heard stuff about DeAndre Hopkins. But the Titans are in an absolute, they will... There's basically no untouchable player on that roster for Tennessee, and rightfully so. It's not that good. They're just they've they've survived because they have a fantastic head coach. Uh, but they're going to go into a rebuild of the worst team in that division right now. Atlanta, as much as I don't like them, as much as I don't buy into Desmond Ritter at all as the Falcons' long-term solution. Look, they lost to Tampa or they beat Tampa Bay last week. Despite I'm sorry, yeah, they beat Tampa Bay last week despite the fact that B. B. John Robinson had one carry. Because he was sick. Yeah, I think he had a stomach virus. So, Bijan only had one carry. They did it without their best offensive player. They still won the game on the road in Tampa. So, again, Vegas is giving you the points. This was almost my, if I were a Batman game, giving the Falcons in this one 23-15 to 15 over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is this is, this is is an easy one, folks. Uh, again, I, I'm big. You're going to find out I am big, big, big on favorites this week. Tennessee's in a fire sale. Atlanta, for as, as limited as they are, I think they'll get the job done and win this football game. Before we get to our next game, we have a couple of comments. Uh, Grady says, the Titans will be competitive, and he says in another comment, remainder of the season, but this team has ran their course. Has run their course. I, I agree. It's it's kind of, their ceiling was when they got the one seed two years ago and lost to Cincinnati. They've never really gotten back to anything near that, that point. And again, that, that's, but they're doing the smart thing. They're like, you know what? We reached our ceiling. We can't win the Super Bowl with this roster. Let's just kind of tear it down. Let's let's rebuild this thing and see what we can do moving forward and probably draft a quarterback in all honesty next year. Uh, Grady says, uh, or suggests, D-Hop to the, to the Texans maybe? First of all, Grady, I think D-Hop and the Texans still have a little bit of bad blood just given how that thing went down. I know Bill O'Brien isn't still there. I understand that. But in the same breath, would the Titans want to rebuild and help one of the ascending teams in their division out. Uh, I don't think they do that. And they're this sort of, we've seen division trades. I mean, we saw the, the Detroit Lions trade TJ Hawkinson to the Minnesota Vikings last year. So it, it is, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just doubt Tennessee, given their organizational structure uh, would do that. Let's move on to our next game. Speaking of the Houston Texans, they go on the road to Carolina. And this is my, man. if I were a betting man, this is, this is a good one. Houston on the road against the 0-6 Carolina Panthers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I am all over that, folks, because the fact that, listen, Houston, we think of them as, oh, they're just the Texans, and they were bad the last few years. It's from 2020 up to 2022. They had one of, if not the worst record in all football. They're in a bad spot. Well, new days are here in Houston, Texas, because... They had this guy by the name of C.J. Stroud. You probably heard of him by this point out of Ohio, the University of Ohio State. Okay, you got uh, uh, you got a guy second overall pick in the draft, and is to me the front runner, clearly in my estimation, to be the offensive rookie of the year. C.J. Stroud, and this isn't the typical rookie quarterback where he comes in and it's like, okay, just don't allow him to make mistakes. Don't. 
Oh, no, 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 no. In Houston, they're like, hey, CJ, sling it. Sling it all over the field. We trust you to do that. That is not as common as you might think with rookie quarterbacks. And the fact that they trust him this much already tells you where his, where his, his ceiling is, where his trajectory is as a, as a potential franchise quarterback for the Houston Texans. By the way, Tank Dell, who my guy Ryan Flowers, shouts Ryan Clutch Sports Talk here in the grid. Ryan Flowers loves Tank Dell. They've got other good receivers, John Mechie. they got Dalton Schultz who's playing good football for them. If not for a walk-off field goal by the Falcons in Atlanta, they're 4-2. and two. Meanwhile, Carolina, look, I get they're coming off the bye week. I, I, I think when we, when we do the whole, well, this team's coming off the bye, to me, that should be reserved for the great coaches. That should be reserved for the Reeds and the Tomlins and the McVeighs and the Shanahans. That should be reserved for guys like that. Not, and I like this guy, not Frank Reich. Like Frank Reich, but he's, not, he's obviously not in that upper echelon with the guys that I just mentioned. So Carolina is in Carolina's the worst team in football right now. They, they their record clearly reflects that. They're 0-6. So give me the Houston Texans to cover and win this game relatively easily. 27 to 17 over the Carolina Panthers. Again, we are giving Carolina more credit uh for for being up by two touchdowns the Miami Dolphins then we are giving the Houston Texans credit for the fact that they're three and three and very much in that race for the NFC South title. Uh, or sorry, the AFC South title. Uh, again, probably not going to catch Jacksonville, but could be a team that flirts with with the playoff spot when it's all said and done. So give me the Texans. If I were a bet man, take the Texans minus three to win 27 to 17. Got a comment here by Patrick. He says, CJ Stroud has been good as advertised. Should have been the number one pick over Price Young. I expect Houston to lift off in Carolina. And Grady says, I forgot Grady. Grady's a Panthers fan. I forgot about this, so I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. He says, Bryson, my sports life is miserable this year. The Patriots are bad. The Panthers are bad. South Carolina can't even be competent. And my boy Brady is gone. <laughs> man, my life. Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, man. It's sometimes... I remember 2020 was a terrible, I mean, a terrible year for my sports teams. Tennessee won like three games. Uh, at the time, I was a Cowboys fan, and that was the last year I was a Cowboys fan because of how the whole Dak thing was handled. The Red Sox were last in the division. The Warriors were coming off being the worst team in basketball. So, Grady, I understand your pain. Everybody is a sports fan. We'll have those periods in life where just all of our teams just happen to suck. And I remember there was a point on the other side of the spectrum where Boston sports, like around like 07, all eight, like all of the Boston teams were good. The Red Sox, the Celtics, the Patriots. I think the Bruins might've been good at that point as well. So that's kind of where it's at. Grady says, seeing Panthers fans becoming Jaguars fans, Tepper is a horrible owner. Yeah, I, I was a Tepper guy at the beginning. He, he's, he's, he's bad. Uh, he's, he's bad. But uh, yeah, pa- Panthers... And by the way, not to mention the Panthers aren't even going to be rewarded for being the worst team in football this year because their pick belongs to Chicago. So it's going to be a while before we see Carolina back in any sort of playoff discussions moving forward. I don't think I'm going out in a limb and saying that. Moving on to an NFC North matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers from historic Lambeau Field. So right now it says the line is even, but it's kind of gone back and forth. Minnesota right now, uh, from where I have it calculated, they're a one and a half point road favorite on the road in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So look, Minnesota got a one of, to me, one of the more impressive wins of the season at home and go over San Francisco, given the fact that not just how good the Niners roster is, but the fact that Kirk Cousins, we know his record of Monday Night Football, it's not great. He's historically been a, a great one o'clock quarterback. You don't want to see him in prime time, and you dang sure don't want to see him on Monday Night Football. But given what he did against that 49ers defense, given the fact that the Vikings are sitting there at three and four, two straight W's, albeit the first one was against the Chicago Bears. But still, you look at Minnesota's schedule moving forward, there is a lot 
lot of winnable games. Again, obviously, this one on Sunday is winnable, but you got Atlanta, you got the Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders. I mean, you got some winnable games on your schedule right here if you're the Minnesota Vikings. So they've got momentum. Green Bay has absolutely no momentum. Jordan Love has arguably been the worst quarterback in football this year. He's been inaccurate. The Packers coaching staff does not trust him one iota. Again, there's a stat that against the Broncos defense, which we know isn't very good. Jordan Love on passes of 10, not 20, not 20, of 10 or more yards down the field, Jordan Love completed 38%. That that is horrendous. I mean, that's... I hate I don't I never I never like taking shots at this guy because I genuinely love him as a human being. That's Tim Tebow numbers. But that is that, what? So I know everybody's like um uh, I I know I heard one one person say like oh the Vikings they they love to blitz and love is good against the blitz. Well the Vikings and Brian Flores because he's a smart defensive coach have kind of pulled bl- back on the blitz. Understand the fact that they can get pressure with four with Daniel Hunter. They have a decent good enough secondary and frankly but the Packers receivers are good not special. Jordan Love is not even good. He's a bad quarterback. He's shown that over the first seven games first six games of his career. The Packers coaching staff does not trust him at all and I don't trust Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to buy them. Themselves. This isn't 1983. This is 2023. Your running game by your by itself cannot win you games over talented football teams, which the Minnesota Vikings very clearly are. So give me the Vikings in this game to cover uh, minus one and a half and cover pretty easily. I know divisional familiarity, it's a real thing, but I'll take the Vikings to cover minus one and a half. Again, I'm all over favorites this week, folks. But give me Minnesota 31 to 17 over the Green Bay Packers and get to four and four. And put themselves in a position where all of a sudden they're they're in the mix in the NFC wildcard picture. So props them for not giving up this season. Uh, John Rivera, John John is, is a little late. He says, "Let's go Jets." Well, John John, you guys are going to lose to the Giants this weekend. I hate to tell you, man, it's it's, it's not going to happen. Patrick, Minnesota had a statement win over San Francisco. Can they build off the momentum and destroy Green Bay? Give me the Vikes, twenty-eight to ten. Uh, that I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all, given how bad this 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 uh, Green Bay offense has been. So. It's, 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 let's just say they miss Aaron Rodgers. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. Okay, moving on to the Los Angeles Rams and the Dallas Cowboys. So, again, this is a matchup where Dallas is favored minus six, coming off of a bye at home. The Rams coming off of a loss to my Pittsburgh Steelers. Great win, Pittsburgh. Four and two, baby. But, uh, look, I'm seeing, this is the most debated which line, wh- where do you bet? Do you take the Rams the points? Do you t- take the Cowboys to cover? This It's really a split opinion. It's kind of 50-50 right now, and I understand why. But when you look at the Cowboys right now, this defense is playing outstanding football. The Niners and Cardinals game aside, the personnel is still excellent. The pass rush is, is still one of the better uh, ones in the NFL. And to me, the key to this game is that we know this Rams offensive line it's not as bad as it was last year. I mean, last year, the offensive line was incompetent. It, it, it was probably bottom three in the NFL. It isn't that terrible this year. But again, the part of the reason I picked my Steelers, and this was my upset of the week last week, and it ended up being right, was the fact when you have TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, you have these interior linemen, which the Steelers have, and he gets that Los Angeles Rams line, particularly up the middle at center and at guard. They are very weak there. I expect Dan Quinn not to bring Micah Parsons off the edge, to bring him straight up the middle, coming at Matthew Stafford, given the fact that Stafford is not a mobile quarterback. Uh, listen, 
No quarterback likes pressure at all. No quarterback likes pressure coming off the middle. And certainly immobile. I shouldn't say immobile. Quarterbacks that aren't great at making throws outside the pocket. And Stafford's fine in that regard. Not as good as guys like Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Uh, I would rush Micah Parsons up the middle a lot uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. I think he's going to do so. And frankly put, look. Dak Prescott's won eight straight starts at home. The Cowboys have won 10 straight games at home. Haven't lost since week one. Week one of last season at home. They have not lost a game at AT AT&T Stadium in that stretch. I have no reason to believe that won't continue. So I'll take the Cowboys to put up a solid offensive performance. uh, 31-20 to over the Rams. I actually almost think this would... This sounds nuts. I almost think it would be better for the Cowboys to lose this game so that they finally, finally, finally trade for a legitimate number two wide receiver to CeeDee Lamb. Again, fun stat. Not really if you're a Cowboys fan. But Dak Prescott has has uh, thrown 81% of his passes, completed or thrown to, one of the one of the two, 81% of his passes to CeeDee Lamb. Translation, CeeDee's amazing. Everybody else is average. Brandon Cooks is a solid game against the Chargers. He'd done nothing in the five games before that. Some of that's play calling. McCarthy's too conservative. But nonetheless, Cowboys are just the, just the more talented team. They'll take care of business. They will beat the Los Angeles Rams by a final score of 31-20. to 20. Moving on to the, to the New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, in this week's edition, I should have brought this up, in this week's edition of Bryce's Bleak Bet. It's the one game every week I have absolutely zero confidence in predicting, but hey, you got to predict them all. So, New Orleans in this game is a one-point road favorite. Again, it's... I, I like the Saints roster a lot. I've always been a Derek Carr guy, but... This roster is not good enough against a solid... I mean, a three-win Colts team. They're not They're not scrubs. Gardner Minshew played very well last week. I don't think the Saints are good enough to where they're coming off of a home loss and the offense was abysmal for three quarters to be a favorite on the road. So, nonetheless, though, extra time to prepare. Uh, Gardner Minshew, again, had the game of his life last week, certainly as a backup quarterback against a great Cleveland Browns defense. And, and you know, Indianapolis, particularly in the passing game, just moved up and down the field. Obviously, we know the Saints defense in terms of their personnel. Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore are very good at virtually all three levels. So I think that's going to be the key to this game. If Anthony Richardson was playing, I would almost assuredly take the Indianapolis Colts. Even if the Colts win this game, I won't be surprised. This is Bryce's bleak bet after all. But I'll take the New Orleans Saints 24-20. to I think, do think they get it right to a certain extent offensively. They have, they have extra time. Uh, I know the Chris Olave thing could be a bit of a distraction. I understand that, the off-the-field stuff. But uh, Derek Carr was called out by the national media, rightfully so, for uh, kind of publicly embarrassing, publicly showing up his wide receivers during that game against Jacksonville. I would think, given the leader that Derek is, I think he's he's hopefully smoothed out those relationships and, and had his, got his team in a better position uh, mentally to, to move forward. I think they'll win this game over the Colts 24-20, to 20, although I'm not terribly confident in that. Patrick Brown's in the comments. He's a Cowboys fan. He says Dallas needs to kickstart the second half with a bang. This is a tune-up game for Philly. If we look beyond, it could be a messy finish. Yeah, Dallas and Philly, to me, uh, about literally about to get into the Eagles, so good transition, Patrick. Both Dallas and Philly, to me, are in real trap game situations where Philly's clearly better than Washington, Dallas is clearly better than the Rams. Wouldn't it be hilarious if both teams ended up losing this game, and so then they go into next week pissed off? You could have a lot of per- you could have a lot of personal foul penalties and maybe some ejections next week uh, in the city of brotherly love. But speaking of the Eagles, they go on the road to Washington and they are seven point favorites on the road uh, in this matchup. So look, I said coming into last week's game against the Miami Dolphins, I said December eighteenth because December eighteenth is a Monday, and it will be the end of this eight game stretch of just 
great teams, Super Bowl contending teams. You got the Cowboys twice, twice. You got the Chiefs. You got the Niners. But you got some brutal, brutal games in here. I still think Miami is is a fringe contender at this point. Washington clearly is not that. And even my man Parnell, the Commanders demand host on the grid, would would agree with that statement. But it's funny. They say styles make fights, and that's exactly what we see the, at least the last couple of years with the Commanders and with the Eagles in that the Commanders upset Philly in Philly last year on Monday Night Football, actually happened to hand them their first loss, almost beat them. They were actually, that might have been my upset of the week earlier this season in Philadelphia, but the Eagles ended up winning it in the end in overtime. Conservative coaching by Ron Rivera at the end of regulation really cost them. Seven points is a lot, given the fact that, again, I think this could be a trap game for Philly more than it is for Dallas, given the fact that unlike Dallas, who's sitting, who sat idle last week, they're just, oh, we're just trying to, we're, we're dying to get back on the field. Philadelphia got a big nationally televised game. Hurts beat Tua. Like, it's the whole, like, they're feeling good about themselves. Understandably so. Washington's in a situation where seven points against the New York Giants defense, and the Giants actually have some solid players defensively, so hats off to them. Uh, not a great offensive line in Washington, but whatever it is, the matchup just seems to work in the commander's favor. I'm going to take the Eagles 24-23, to but take Washington in the points. Seven points on the road against a commander's team that isn't awful. They certainly have plenty of flaws, but isn't awful. Seven points a lot, especially on the road. If it were at home, I'd probably take Philadelphia to cover. On the road, seven points is, it feels like a bit much, so I will take the Philadelphia Eagles to win 24-23, to uh, but in the same respect, uh, take Washington and the points. Moving on to our next one. Uh, the Cleveland Browns and the Seattle Seahawks. So Seattle at home is a three and a half point favorite. Again, I'm seeing some sports books have it at minus four. I understand that, but three and a half feels feels about right for this one. Uh, once it gets in the four, four and a half territory, you start have to start thinking differently because I think these are two very evenly matched teams, and the spread kind of kind of uh, reflects that. So I don't know if I've seen a situation weirder from an injury standpoint than the Deshaun Watson-Cleveland Browns situation. I I don't get it to save my life. I mean, he's medically cleared last week, or sorry, he's medically cleared three weeks ago to play, but then doesn't. Misses the next game. I don't know how he could have hurt his shoulder more. Then he's medically cleared last week against the Colts. Comes out after throwing an interception. Doesn't return. And it was almost never even a discussion about whether he was going to play this week. It's a it's it's one of the weirdest medical situations. Somebody's not telling us something, whether it's the Browns, Deshaun, the head coach, Kevin Stefanski. But it's going to be P.J. Walker for the third straight game for the Browns on the road in Seattle. This was a tough one. This was almost Bryce's bleak that game. Uh, but look, Seattle is coming off a good win, a solid divisional win at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Good backdoor cover to really save me there. Great, great job by, by the Seattle kicker there. But, you know, listen, Cleveland's defense had a bad day at the office. I think they're going to play much better uh, than here against the Seattle Seahawks uh, offense. And by the way, Geno Smith, too. A bit of a concern for Seattle, given the fact that he has two red zone giveaways this year, given the fact that this Cleveland Browns defense in the secondary is very opportunistic, and we understand the playmaker that Miles Garrett is in terms of his ability to, to get to the quarterback. And as we found out last week, his ability to, to, to block field goals. He's a freak of nature, and not like we didn't know that before. But, listen, the reason I'm liking Seattle in this spot is – P.J. Walker, you know, he's, he's a cool story. Came from the XFL, won a game or two for the Carolina Panthers last year. But now Seattle, Pete Carroll, amazing defensive coach. He's got film on this guy. He knows what he's getting. Uh, this Browns offense dropped 39. The Indianapolis Colts do not expect him to come anywhere near that this week. Seattle, we understand how tough of a place it is to play. So I'm going to take the Seahawks to win and cover. Again, I'm all over favorites this week, folks. I'm all over the favorites. 22-16 to 16 over the Cleveland Browns. 
Uh, I think this would be a situation where P.J. Walker, we, and listen, we never thought P.J. was like a franchise quarterback or anything, but the Seahawks defense, and this Seahawks secondary led by Devin Witherspoon uh, will make plays all over the field. So give me Seattle to win this game 22-16 to over the Cleveland Browns. Looks like we got another comment here. Grady says, respect to Ron Rivera for keeping Washington relevant and being something stable to that organization. I feel they need a new voice, though. I 100% agree with you. And I love Ron. I think he's a really great dude. His, he you know, beat cancer a few years ago while still coaching, uh, which is incredibly admirable. There's no question about it. But I'm with you. I think they need a new voice. And frankly, the conservative coaching, the inability to take risks despite the fact I get Sam Howell's special but they've still got some good playmakers on the offensive side Terry McLaurin in particular and they're not terribly great situationally we saw that last week against the Giants just couldn't punch it in when they absolutely have to so uh, I, I do agree with you in that regard Grady moving to our next matchup Kansas City Chiefs Denver Broncos so Kansas City, favorite, understandably so, minus seven. Kansas City is a big favorite every week. Uh, and in large part, they that's been the case early to start this season because the fact that they played a pretty weak schedule and they're, you know, they're, they're taking advantage overwhelmingly with a six and one record. But last year, if you remember, Russell Wilson had the season from hell. He was awful. And Denver kept that thing close against Kansas City. Might have actually covered, if I remember correctly, in Denver. Now we know their stat. The Kansas City Chiefs have not lost to the Denver Broncos since Thursday Night Football, Week 2. What would that have been? September 17th, I think. You can check me on that, but I think September 17th, 2015. The old sheriff himself, Peyton Manning, was the quarterback for the Denver Broncos in that game. The Chiefs have not lost to the Broncos since. I do not believe that streak will come to an end on Sunday, but this will be, I've said, I said when they played the Broncos just two weeks ago, I said, Kansas City is straight up bored. They weren't bored last week against the Chargers because they played some close games against the Chargers. They know how good Justin Herbert is. They got to be in their A game to be at LA with, with, with Justin Herbert behind center. Russell Wilson, maybe not as much. Denver Broncos, kind of in a fire sale right now. Maybe not as much. But I think divisional familiarity, Sean Payton, head coach, comes into play. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm telling you, I'm taking the Broncos in the points. Again, last year, this game when, when they played this game in Denver, there was a time when I mean, Mahomes struggled with turnovers. Now, for the record, this Broncos defense last year was significantly better uh, than it is this season. you got to factor that in as well. But in the same breath, I, I, I don't know. There's there's those games that come around the schedule every once in a while, particularly with like serious Super Bowl contenders that you're looking at, and you're like, I don't know. I, I should probably go. This is one of the rare games uh, this week where I'm actually going to go with the underdog to win this one. But uh, yeah, give me the... Give me the Chiefs to win 26-20, but to struggle offensively because, again, they're bored. Andy Reid is not going to put his best plays on film for the Dolphins or for the Bengals or for the Bills or anybody like that. He's saving that for the important games, the games that are going to decide playoff seating when it's all said and done. But I'll take the Chiefs. The thing that matters most is that they win the game outright 26-20. Let's move on to uh, my upset of the week. Y'all ready for this? Give me the Cincinnati Bengals. Over the San Francisco 49ers and in relatively convincing fashion, 24 to 20, Cincinnati over San Francisco. And here's why. So the big story in this one, it does not look like Brock Purdy is going to be able to go. There's reports that he's questionable to play on Sunday against Cincinnati with the concussion. Again, it doesn't look like, and this is just pure speculation. I have no sources on this, no sourcing on this. 
it doesn't look like the concussion is as severe as, say, certainly as Tua's was last year. It's concussions we've seen in the past, so that's why he is questionable to win. Maybe he's passed through protocol quicker than expected. But I, I just, I'm sorry, I just don't see. He got absolutely drilled on the play in question on the quarterback sneak in which he was probably concussed on that particular play. Uh, through two interceptions after it. But I just have a hard time seeing on a short week, he had to fly home from Minnesota. He got home early Tuesday morning, and he's going to go back out there and play a football game on Sunday against Cincinnati. This is being described as a, who is in a must-win for more, for Cincinnati or for San Francisco? I think it's absolutely clearly and obviously for the Cincinnati Bengals, given the fact that they're in the toughest division in football with the Ravens, my Steelers, and the Browns. I do have the Browns, and unfortunately my Steelers losing this week. Uh, More on the Ravens in just a second. But again, I think from a from a matchup standpoint, San Francisco beats Cincinnati in virtually every category known to man. Here's the reason I'm picking Cincinnati, though. The quarterbacks. Joe Burrow is the healthiest he's been all season long. That is huge for the Bengals in terms of their ability to compete for the AFC, which we know that's their goal. T. Higgins is back as well. Side note. I get Sam Darnold, and I was a big Sam guy coming out of the 2018 draft. I liked him more than Baker Mayfield thus far. Frankly, in totality, I've been proven wrong on that. I get this is the best situation Sam's been in, given that's the fact The fact there's probably the best roster in football. But Trent Williams is out. Debo Samuel is out. And as much as people like to bag on Brock Purdy, all the decision-making, da-da-da-da-da, Sam Darnold's decision-making, who <laughs> we saw with the Jets, with the Panthers, and I think we're going to see it on Sunday, is truly atrocious. For the record, I think this Bengals defense is tremendous in the red zone. I think they're going to take advantage of limitations at quarterback. They're going to take advantage of limitations with no Hall of Fame left tackle there. And frankly, we saw important Debo Samuel is to this Niners offense being out of the game on Monday against the, the Vikings. I think the Bengals are going to be dealing with a lot of short fields, take advantage of the red zone. So once again, upset of the week. Give me the Bengals to win this game and win their third straight over the Niners, 24-13. to 13. And frankly, it'll prove what I've said for a while. Brock Purdy's a little bit better than we might want to give him credit for. Moving on to this next matchup. This again involves another AFC North team. It's the Ravens. It's the Cardinals. So early reports say that Kyler Murray, despite uh, being put off the injury report this week, looks like he's not going to be able to be a to, to go right off the bat. So Josh Dobbs, my man, Space Dobbs, University of Tennessee grad, aerospace engineering major, for the record, genius is Joshua Dobbs. He's going to be starting this game uh, for the 1-6 Arizona Cardinals. So again, Arizona, everybody, including myself, are like, oh, they're going to be terrible. I predicted the Cardinals to win one game this season and to get Caleb Williams in this coming upcoming NFL draft. And they play Washington close. They almost beat the Giants. They did beat Dallas. And then from that point on, they've kind of came back down to earth into the team that we kind of thought they'd be before the season. In the second half, they've been outcoached by a tremendous margin. Uh, Jonathan Gannon's really struggled to make adjustments. Joshua Dobbs, why I love him, there's only so much he can do with the roster around him. The offensive line is fine. It's not anywhere near what it needs to be. Uh, and defensively, they've been absolutely atro- uh, atrocious in the second half of games. But for Baltimore... There's been an odd streak, and I have to give credit to the person who brought this up, is Nick Wright on FS1. This streak of the hottest team in football immediately losing after winning their biggest game of the season, where you had, I'm forgetting the streak, but I think it's Cowboys were the hottest team in the league, lost to the Cardinals. And then the Dolphins were the hottest team in the league, and they lost bad to the Bills. Then the Niners were the uh, hottest team in the NFL, and they lost to the Cow. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, they lost to the Browns. There's some streak along those lines. 
Ravens the hottest team in football right now. And by the way, beat the hottest team in football last week in Detroit. I think this is kind of a, they don't take Arizona seriously. The game's in Arizona after all. Lamar Jackson maybe struggles a little bit out the gates. The Ravens are, are sort of living off the high of last week. I think this is, ends up being closer than you think. I'm actually going to take the Cardinals on the points, but the Ravens went out right. Second half, uh, they sort of get it right. I could I anticipate a situation where maybe the Cardinals are leading at halftime. Maybe it's a situation where it's like a three-point game. And then second half, Lamar Jackson, this Ravens offense, Todd Munkin, they come alive, they get the adjustments right, and they take advantage of, again, a bad Cardinals second-half team. So I'll take uh, the uh, Ravens to win 24-16. to 16, But not, again, nine and a half, it's... I don't know. I'm, I'm going with the Cardinals to cover. I, I'm just going to I'm gonna close my eyes and take Arizona to cover plus nine and a half and, and the Ravens to an outright. Bears-Chargers, final game of Sunday. Bears-Chargers. So it looks like uh, Tyson Badgett is going to make his second NFL start coming off of a heck of a debut, albeit against a bad Raiders defense, but still. The Tyson Badgett, Division II quarterback, I forgot his last win was against, it was like some D2 school I'd never heard of in my life. But facing a Chargers team that is, if they want any chance at competing for a playoff spot, they ha- this is the game they got to win. But the Chargers are eight and a half point favorites. I think that's ludicrous. Uh, simply because of the fact that the, the Bears have been the highest scoring team in the NFL. If you can believe this, the Bears, not the Chiefs, not the Lions, the Chicago Bears have been the highest scoring team in football over the last four weeks. So clearly something they're doing is working. For the record, it isn't like they're missing pieces. They have Khalil Herbert. They have uh, Darnell Mooney. They have uh, uh, DJ Moore, who I've always been a fan of coming from Carolina. Uh, they've got good tight ends. Cole Komet, uh, the offensive line. They added my man Darnell Wright from Tennessee, who's playing really good football thus far this season. And the Bears defense has been serviceable over the last four weeks as well. I'm still going to roll with Justin Herbert. I'm still going to roll with the Chargers. I'll, I'll take them to win 27-19 to 19, uh, to get this to get the job done. Again, this is a game the Chargers absolutely have to win. There's no no excuses, no ifs, ands, or busts. The Chargers have to win this football game. I think they will do so 27-19, to 19, get the W over the Chicago Bears. But in the same breath, uh, eight and a half is a lot for a Chargers team that we all know we simply we simply cannot trust. Can't trust when it's all said and done. So give me the Chargers 27-19. to 19. This is a great weekend of sports. Great NFL games, college football, solid college football games this weekend. Oregon, Utah. I'll go with Utah. I'm not a big Bo Nix believer. I'm going to go with Utah. Is Bryson the, the quarterback for, for Utah? Isn't he like a farmer a farmer kid? Is he starting for Utah? I hope he is. Got to get all the Brysons out there. Got to represent, okay? Got to respect the name. No, but I, it's serious. All serious, though, I, th- I will take Utah. They're not the brand that Oregon is. They don't have Phil Knight, but Utah always seems just year in and year out. They're always in that top 10. They're always, they get a great bowl game. They're in the discussion to win the Pac 12. They have won the Pac 12, and they'll, they'll be in a position to do that this year, but I'll take them over Oregon at home. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. There it is right there. Uh, It helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. Uh, we're, we're nearing the 500 mark, so hopefully we can get there uh, pretty soon. So if you have subscribed, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate it. And, you know, the, the, the people uh, who have been a part of the show appreciate it. So uh, if you have subscribed, thank you. Please, please, please be sure to tell your friends and your family and everybody you know about it and to subscribe to the show. If you haven't subscribed, hey, just takes a couple seconds. Red button down there that says subscribe. Hit that. 
and you're part of the Carving It Up family. It's, it's a tight-knit group we are, okay? It's very fun. Uh, so greatly appreciate it. And be sure to also, also go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Again, great weekend of sports ahead. Can't wait. Can't wait to break it all down. A lot of NFL, maybe some NBA, who knows, and uh, some maybe some World Series as well on Monday's show. We'll have a loaded, uh, packed Monday episode on uh, day before Halloween, too. Maybe add a little spooky feel to it. We'll, we'll see. Just stay tuned for a potential spooky intro to Carving Up Live. I'll just I'll leave that. That's what we call a tease in the business. Just leave that out there. Seriously, though, hope everybody has a great weekend. Please stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, and I beg of you to do this, please, please, please contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. We just had a a massacre. Not to end the show on a somber note, but we had, we had a, a terrible tragedy on uh, on Wednesday in Missouri. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. In Maine. I'm so sorry. I, apologies. In Maine. Um, Got to fix this, this problem, folks. Mike Brown, head coach of the Kings, had a had a very uh, had a great message on it. We've got to address this problem. So uh, please, 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 please do so. But uh, again, great weekend of sports. I've got the Rangers in six over the Diamondbacks. I do think my man Nathan Avaldi adds to his incredible postseason resume and gets the gets the W tonight here in Game One. So see y'all on Monday. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. I'll tell you, I'm being sufferable if the Steelers beat the Jaguars. I'm just telling you. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.